I can't change what people think of me. I can't control what they think of me. Rachel Beck, author, speaker, influencer, and woman extraordinaire, who today is a force to be reckoned with. Rachel takes us on her compelling journey from Indian orphan to being adopted by a Jewish family in America and having to navigate finding her own way when life changes your plans. You'll be inspired by her struggles in the face of society's expectations for women to look a certain way and fit into the American dream as she faces racism, doubts in the wake of trying to answer her own questions about who am I and where do I fit in and create a place for myself where I can create value and fulfillment. You're listening to Extraordinary Work, conversations about creating change. I'm Terry Yaffe, a certified executive career and business coach and founder of Try Coaching. I strongly believe that these compelling conversations will guide you in making better life decisions. Welcome, Rachel. How wonderful to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me today. It is an honor and privilege to be here. Thank you. Oh, you know, we've been going back and forth on LinkedIn, and that's how we met. Oh, thank you. Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. You have such an inspirational, compelling, and intriguing story. Tell us the, a little bit about the backstory, because I'm going to guess here that that backstory and where you are today go hand in hand. I was born in India. My mom died two days after giving birth. I am looking for my biological father. I was put into a home who of a woman who was founding an orphanage that is still there today. And I was adopted by a white Jewish family from New York City. So I am an Indian Jewish woman. My life has not been easy. I battled a disease for 20 years. I battled endometriosis. And I also underwent a hysterectomy in 2017. Um, I donated one of my ovaries to science to help find a cure for the disease because I'm very passionate about it. I have dealt with a tremendous amount of anti-Semitism. Not easy being an Indian Jewish woman. And you and I both know what's going on in this country right now. That it's on the rise. It's very painful for us to see. I've dealt with a tremendous amount of racism. Um, I have experienced more traumas in my life. People only know, I would say, 10% of my story. And I've been told by a psychologist, it's a miracle that I make it through every single day. I've survived uh, two attempted rapes by complete strangers, where two men actually saved my life. Um, so I've been through... It's the only way to say it. I've been through hell and back. And that that's the best way to say it. I have PTSD due to extreme events in my life. 
I'm very passionate about using my voice for mental health and I'll never stop doing that. It's always so interesting to hear somebody's backstory, if you will, Um, and certainly yours dealing with being an Indian Jewish person and, you know, what does that look like? How do you fit in? And you're having to kind of navigate your place in, in, in society. And that's a perfect way to say it because it's very difficult because growing up, you know, it was it's like there's a different time. And um, I felt okay in like the, the Jewish private school because we were all Jewish. My struggles began when I went to middle school and high school. I, I didn't fit in. It's a struggle for me when it comes to my identity. I'm always having to say, defend myself that I am Jewish. I always have to say, yes, I'm an Indian woman, even though I was born there and raised here. And I go back there and I stay at the orphanage. It's all about my identity. And I finally came to a place, I'm in my late 40s, on my way close to 50 in a couple of years, where I stepped into who I am. I own it. This is who I am. And I'm proud to be an Indian Jewish woman. Was there one significant event that got you to that place of where you looked out and after certainly all the struggles and the challenges that you had, where you stepped into a perspective and said, this is where I am. There's my past. I own it but it doesn't define who I am moving forward, where you could look out and say, aha, this is where I stand. There were a couple moments, actually, because, you know, I realized that I've dealt with the worst racist experience in my life. The last three years during the pandemic, people, I can't change what people think of me. I can't control what they think of me. And when you realize that, you, you kind of let go. I don't have expectations of people. I like to be pleasantly surprised because I've had major people disappoint me in my life. So I, that that I just learned of whatever happens, happens. But there are moments there. I would say a huge part of it was the first time I went back to India. And on my first trip there, and I was not a minority. I was a majority. And that was huge for me. It was huge. I remember standing on the street. I was taking a bunch of Europeans and Americans shopping that were doing volunteering at the orphanage. And there was a man next to me who from um, the States. And he said to me, he looked left, he looked right. And he said, Rachel, I'm a minority. This is so strange to me. And I looked at him and I said, this is my life every day. But it was, you know, he's a really kind person, but he was, he's like, I've never, he's like 65, 70. He's like, I've never experienced being a minority. And he said, Rach, is this how you feel every day? So it's moments like that. It's moments where, you know, women, we, society has put so many demands on it. Like we should be this way. A definition of a woman is this. No, for me, being a woman is a deeply 
personal definition. I'm not, it's, I have personally defined it. I'm not a mom. I am a woman who had a hysterectomy. I mean, I, I, there's so many things about me that is not what society says we should be. So I'm working on changing that narrative too. I think years ago, there were scripts. Yes. And there still are. There still are. I'm thinking less than there were back in the day. Given everything, and I know you wrote a book, Finding Your Way When Life Changes Your Plans. Did that come out of, was that born from your life's experiences? And what was the hope for you in writing that book? You know, this is a really interesting story. So this actually idea came to me from a girlfriend who comes from New York City. <laughs> she doesn't live there now. But I met her in India on my uh, first trip in like an airport. And we maintained the friendship. And she actually was back there when I was there. I had gone back to school in 2017 to finish my degree. I minored in psychology and gender studies. I, it was like a week after graduation. Um, I had run my photography company for 10 years and then said, okay, I'm taking a year, worked really hard, finished my degree. So she calls me and she says to me, Rach, I've been thinking about something. I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, I think you need to write your life story. And I said to her, sweetie, I'm not an author. I'm a retired photographer. And she said, do me a favor. I know you're tired. You just finished school. Take a week vacation, sit down at the computer and see what happens. I said, okay. She knows me that well. And I sat down the first day and I wrote for five hours. And that happened every single, I wrote my book from like in August and October, hired my publisher. I called her back and I said, how did you know there was a book inside of me? She's like, I knew it. I just need you to see it. And that's the beauty of women supporting women. When we, when we might not see something inside of ourselves, but our girlfriends do, and they say, hey, go for this. Women supporting women. I, I love that. And certainly today, women need all the voices and the support that they can get. And you have certainly been a huge influencer, huge influencer. And since this is all about extraordinary work, conversations about creating change, how have you, do you think you have used your voice and your platform, which is tremendous and loud, to help create change? I, and thank you for your kind words, <laughs> I made a conscious choice. Right. I have over 285,000 people in my network. My network is not about me. It's about them. I made a choice that I could be part of the solution and not the problem. And I, I make that conscious choice every day when, you know, I'm sitting around with people and they're like, there's so many problems in the world. My response to them is, what are you doing to fix it? I want to be a person who fix it. I have so many things that I am determined to change. I'm determined to change business culture. I have a lot of problems with it. There are reasons why I work for myself. So I'm going to be part of the solution. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm just, I'm so like deep in my soul. I am determined about that. And if there was 
one or two things you could say about how creating change is so important. What might that be? To make the conscious choice to do it. It's a choice people make, right? It's a choice. Um, you know, you know, I use my voice for kindness and for love because this world desperately needs more kindness and love. So I make a, I get up and I make that choice. What can I do today to make this world a better place? It's a it's a decision. And if everybody got, and there's a lot of us, there really are a lot of us out there working on this very, very hard to take this world in a forward direction and not a back direction. I have a voice, you know, I have a voice and I'm lighting thousands of candles to give them a voice across this world because sometimes people just need someone to see them. So I will always use my platform. I know that you are definitely there on LinkedIn with a huge voice. You wrote a book in hopes of inspiring, if you will, other people to look at their lives. And yes, we've all had struggles. We've all had challenges. Yet you have emerged a winner, if you will, that other people would have, woe is me, you know, and been really downtrodden. However, talking to you and seeing you and looking at what you've done, just by your sheer willingness to be out there and tell your story, seems like you are creating change and certainly doing extraordinary work. What's one thing you can tell our audience about the ability to create change? Surround yourselves with the right people. You know, you and I both know we run in the same circle. <laughs> That's we are. We're, we're, we are about kind. You're about kindness. I'm about kindness. Who I am very, very, you know, I I keep a big bubble over my network, right? They know this. I keep only kind, positive people in there. Why? Because I want them to have that energy. I want them to know there's a quarter million people out there in my network who are kind of, I only let kind and positive people into my network because I know the energy, I'm deep into energy. So I know if you have a quarter million people, right? And they're all spreading kindness and positivity. That is a massive massive ripple effect that that's what's going to happen and we need our voices to be louder we need the the kindness movement there's many many people involved in this who we just need to be louder we just need to be louder and we can do it through calmness we can do it through patience but every little thing we do it's a ripple effect you know, I say this to a lot of my guests with the conversation. We could go on and on. Um, however, time doesn't allow that. I wanted to highlight it's a ripple effect that one voice, one shift, one can create change. I think people think about change as this huge mountain that they have to kind of climb 
when in fact it doesn't have to be that one little gesture yes of kindness of of positivity of caring can change someone's life a simple thing like smiling at somebody opening the door for somebody paying it forward to somebody um encourage you'll never i only write you um kind positive encouraging that's all I will ever do. Why? Because I, when I took cognitive psychology, the kid had raised his hand and said, what do I do with all the negative comments that come my way? And he was talking about what he hears in a day. And the professor said, for one negative comment, it takes 10 positive comments to erase that negative comment. So when I'm leaving a positive comment, that's one that's vetoed at one of the negative comments. So there's things that there are things that we can do. We can be better human beings. We we just have to want to do it. We just have to want to do it. And I going to end with one ripple effect can do multitudes of good. And if we think of kindness and positivity every day, we can create that ripple effect and we can create the change in the world or in society or ever else. And we certainly need that these days. Rachel, I want to thank you so much for your words of wisdom, your compelling story, your inspiration. It has been wonderful and I've loved having you and I thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It is an honor and privilege. So thank you for having me. Thank you for joining the conversation. For related content on extraordinary work, visit my website, trycoaching.com. I'll be back in two weeks with another conversation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe to future podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Always remember, when you work with passion and purpose, your work can become extraordinary. You'll want to listen as my last guest of the year, Christina Flatch, celebrity makeup artist and founder and CEO of Pretty Girl Makeup who not only creates change in the world of fashion and beauty, but is also creating change as a dedicated advocate in raising public awareness of the dangers of sepsis after losing her husband, tennis player Ken Flatch, to this deadly infection.